I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I run hip hop by the numbers on Twitter. I use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I'm directed the fifth element. Where I highlight fifth element hip hop, which is knowledge. Dilla. Hopefully that goes on for the rest of the I can probably die vlog, you know, but I just went, you know what? <laughs> I reckon it worked, man. It worked. You got, you got some staying power in those lungs, man. Not bad, innit? Not bad. Good breath control. Yeah, good breath control. Not, not yeah. quite. Back big, four, come see me. Not quite big <laughs> pun level, but it's pretty damn good. No, 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 no. Come see me. Come see. <laughs> Get Black Four on the phone. <coughs> got some got some challenge for him. Alright, um what's the other edits? Uh hi Ben. How's your week been? What have you been listening to this week? I've had a uncategorically oh, terrible well, week, but yeah, it's been a what did you say? Pause. Evident by the long pause. Po- evident, evident by the long pause, Jesus. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, very it's been a rough week. Con- contemplation kind of pause. Yeah, yeah, it's been a uh it's been a rough week, but uh, I actually only listen, started listening to new music last night, um, so I only got into three projects, but I listened to the new Sleaford Mods album, Spare Ribs, and I love Sleaford Mods. I've always loved them. I think there's a real grace to Jason Williamson that it's not really apparent when you first listen to him. I don't think you know you listen to him and you're like, wow, it's very graceful and nuanced, but uh, I find him very similar to Mike Skinner with that spoken word delivery and just totally unapologetic accent just doesn't care you know doesn't doesn't try and clean it up just just fully and he he sounds a bit like a i don't know like a lager lout gesticulating after 10 pints you know in the pub but his content is uh you know it it kind of conjures the image of like an art school major with a decade of slam poetry experience behind him so it's it's a very weird mix and we kind of get like a really chilling and accurate depiction of whatever topic he wants to talk about. You know, politics, status wars, the environment, love, philosophy. It's a really wild ride. And uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. It's like listening to a drunk intellectual set to a preset beat on a Casio keyboard because the beats are just like, I don't know, it, it genuinely sounds like they've just pressed number three on the Casio keyboard and then you've got the the, the <laughs> xylophone beat. It's fucking, it's so unique, man. Yeah. And um, I don't think they've ever missed. I don't think they, he, they have ever missed. So shout out to Sleaford Mods for that. Fredo Bang, In the Name of G. Uh, it was pretty standard fare, this album. was, you know, pretty heartfelt stuff. Difficult topics explored with honesty and a lot of despair, a lot of despair. We get Lil Dirk on here, Sada Baby, Moneybag Yo. And they, we got the person, and it kind of hit me while I was listening. I really think that this person is the one who introduced the mainstream to this sound, and that's Kevin Gates. Like, I, f- I forget when Two Phones was out and, you know, all that stuff. That was a while back now. It would have been like 2014, 2015. And 
it's blown up that sound now. Um, and this album's great. It's a great example of it. It's uh, 25 songs, but it's only 59 minutes. So it's actually a really easy listen that kind of flies by. And yeah, I ran it back twice. It was that good. And then Khan, Long Time No See. Uh, it mm. always interests me to see how people feel about Khan because he kind of inhabits that that space that's either maligned or revered, which is speed rap, fast rap, like alongside Dax, Tech, uh, Logic, you know, when he when he gets in that space, Eminem when they get in that space, he just rap really, really fast. It's, it's a little bit different to Twister, I feel, where I don't know, I don't know why I feel that way. I don't know. I don't know, but I, I do see them different to Twister for some reason. But um, I actually prefer Khan when he just kind of sits in the pocket without really bothering to turn his tongue into a fucking casserole. So, like, Hard to Tell, for example, very solid beat. He just fits into it really snugly. Or Masque? Masque? I don't know how to pronounce that word. I'm not Spanish. Um, it just sees him kind of, like, wandering around on top of the beat. It's The beat sounds like a tiger tiger b-side where but he only he only drops into double time like momentarily on that and i really like that i kind of wish he would explore that flow a little bit more so yeah but i mean he's very technically proficient of course so you know it wasn't my favorite album of the week but uh it's probably the first Khan album i've ever listened to actually i don't think i've ever listened to a Khan album and i just saw it pop up on the release Oof. radar so yeah it, it was it was decent man was it, was, it? it was pretty good i, Took I might, you more? Go back and do my due diligence on uh, on Khan. So yeah, that was my three projects this week. What about yourself? Yeah, it took it took you took you a minute after after all the times I've been uh, oh. saying like uh, yeah uh, another Khan album. Um, but yeah, well I'll start with that. Um, I only got it to two, but uh, uh, that was one of them. Um, yeah, I like I I just enjoy Khan's technical ability. Like I I just enjoy that, and th- he drops so many projects so often that I kind of, like, forget, not most of it, but I'm just like, if if he if he's already done something like this, I probably wouldn't remember unless I actually go back and, like, see the cover art, and I'm just like, I listen to a couple more tracks, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, this one, yes, this one, yeah, okay. Um, so it, it kind of messes in my head sometimes like that. I do like Hard to Tell, funny you say that track, because mm-hmm. I actually put that on my regular rotation, I really it's enjoyed good. that one. Um, I just yeah, I just love the beat. I just love the beat to that. It's very um, yeah, just re- hit real nice. And it, yeah, and he just flowed on that to be honest. But yeah, masque, uh, masque, masque, masque. It's, I think it's more Y. Uh, no, yeah, more more Y, something like that. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. So it's a solid album, you know, thirty four minutes, thirty tracks. You know, what I mean, not not too not too not too hard on that. Uh, but yeah, I did, I did not mind that at all. Um, the other one I got into is uh, right, let me let me let me say this uh, let me s- pronounce this correctly. Uh, ASEAN. Um, it looks like Asian with a with an H, but it's ASEAN. Um, the interlude, little EP, uh, about five tracks, twelve minutes, not too not too much. Uh, yeah, man, I love this. I love this. Shout out to a uh, friend of five ET on bots because she actually unknownly. Uh, put me onto this one she just retweeted uh, the uh, this one this ep charted somewhere i think someone itunes and uh i was like oh well it's nothing <laughs> nothing else this week so <laughs> let's just let's just jump right in fuck it uh you know and, uh, the first track my world immediately on the regular rotation i just ah oh, that tracks oh just hits so nice hits so nice it is she she gives me like um like the the production is like scissor kind of vibes uh, that that kind of comparison, if you guys want like a like a mainstream comparison, it's kind of like that. 
uh, her voice is um, a little, a little bit, a little bit like uh, Georgia Smith, but not in, but but more, but with a, with a sprinkle of something else. Like it's not because like Georgia Smith sometimes has that like uh, that uh, you know like talking kind of singing as well. If I, if that makes any sense, but but Asian actually you know just falls full on sings it, um, and she has good she has good vocals as well. Um, great vocal stacking on some of these. I uh, really enjoy this. I uh, really enjoy this EP actually. It's actually uh, yeah, it's a real it's a real good one. A couple of features on there as well. So yeah, it's super solid, easy to get into. Uh, and with that said, God, we we are cutting we are cutting down That's nine rapid. minutes. Oh, amazing, Fire um, rapid. <laughs> yeah, wait till the actual projects drop. Fucking yeah. back to twenty. Um, Let's <laughs> take it in while it lasts, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so uh, there's this is one of those this is one of those retrospectives that like there's probably a good a better time to do this, but I don't think there's any I don't think there's any a bad time to yeah. to do a retrospective on Diddler. Um, if you guys don't know, he's at uh, he. Uh, <laughs> I think BBE Music uh, that dro- initially dropped uh, "Welcome to Detroit." Um, they're dropping the 20th anniversary uh, edition. Uh, I assume on hard copies and all of that kind of stuff uh, next month. And there's also a uh, Black Sheep Drez. He's got a he's got a project uh, with unreleased uh, Dylan material, uh, unreleased Dylan uh, 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 production. Obviously, uh, you know. With the with the with the green light from Marduk's, but uh, yeah, so you know we got we still got some Dilla coming through in the pipeline this year for sure, uh, which is good. And uh, can't can't say no to all, any of that. But for now, we're just gonna keep it obviously just uh you know uh, Dilla's uh, solo work specifically. Uh, may you know give a couple of mentions to you know just uh, stuff he did outside, of course. Um, obviously, it's <laughs> obviously the whole. There's a whole uh, lineage, you know, of just like Peter. If you just go through like the people he's worked with, it's just stupid. It's just it's, it's stupid, but, but you know, you can look all that stuff up. But uh, yeah, we're just gonna go through uh, some of his some some <laughs> with a with a huge asterisk some bold italics underline some of his uh, uh, solo work. Um, only just about five of those. And uh, I kind of wanted to start off with this, uh, this opening salvo, actually. I wanted to... I find it so fascinating. Um, when it comes to someone like Dilla, right? Where he's... he It's been, it's been what, like 50, uh, 15? Yeah. yeah, 15 years since his passing. Mm. Um, obviously, in, at this rate, he's practically a hip-hop deity in some ways. Like, mm. it's just... He, if someone if someone asks who's Jay Diller, you have to stop everything and put them on. Like it's it's one of those things where it's just like <gasps> like excuse me, and then you have to like give them donuts. You have to give them just like it's your world or something like that. Find a way. Uh, harping back to last episode, you know you have to just give them like a, a just a like a crash course on just Diller, um, and maybe like you know a couple of documentaries here and there or some. Uh, or some uh, video essays on him. You have to. It's essential. If you mm-hmm. if if you don't know, if you haven't listened to Dilla, um, not saying you'd have to like Dilla, but if you haven't listened to Dilla, um, there, there's some there's something wrong with you. Simply simply put. But uh, my opening, like just, I guess, uh, thoughts about Dilla that I've re- recently just um, gained, obviously in preparation for this episode and listening back to his stuff. Um, especially his more uh, the stuff where he actually raps on them, uh, raps on tracks instead of just producing them. It's a sense of duality I get because 
we've 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 put Dilla on this pedestal, right? Of obviously like you know production royalty, uh, and not just that, the way he does it, right? Obviously the human element he just somehow puts into there that that kind of secret ingredient um you know some people just say it's the lack of uh, quantization that he does with his with his beats and just does it you know f- strictly by feel you know whatever right it, you can you can say that you can say a lot of things or you can be very uh, uh, <laughs> uh, mid, uh mysterious about it and say like oh it's just it's just dealer magic you know mm. <laughs> maybe you could, you could do that if you want um but i just love the duality of him because we've put him on this pedestal of, as like you know one of the most soulful producers out there, and you know he's he's produced some absolutely just mind blown work that just hits your heart just like no other tr- uh, piece of like no other beat can right. Uh, it's your world for me personally. Uh, so far to go me personally as well. Just those two tracks alone just just hit so freaking clean for me, right? But then you listen to his, uh, <laughs> but then you listen to some of his lyrics, and it's literally just like a, a lot of women content, bro. I'm just like, Dilla's low key pimping, isn't he? Like, it's it's so fascinating. Like, we don't, we never, we never speak about that. It's so funny. It's so funny. Like, we put him on such a pedestal, and you know, it's it's warranted, right? It's warranted. All of it is warranted. You can't praise Dilla enough for how inspirational he has been. Uh, for the for 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 hip hop as a whole and what he represents especially, but fucking hell, he just he just talks some, bro. He was just like, <laughs> uh, 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 women, <laughs> women, <laughs> women, women. <laughs> I'm better than you at rapping. Women, women, braggadocio, women. It's just like okay, yeah. interesting. I I just find that fascinating because nobody talks about it. But while I was listening to stuff from this past week, I was just like. He likes his women, in it? <laughs> so I just love that duality of it and the fact that we don't even talk about the other side of it. I, if if you if you didn't actually listen to the lyrics, you would have a completely different, uh, I guess, uh, what's the word? Um, a completely different uh, scope to to who he is. But hey, let's not let's not get it twisted now. Dilla was a dog, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Like just, just at least lyrically, he was. Uh, it's, it's, it's fascinating. So uh, I just wanted to start off with that, that duality, and just introduce that into the conversation because uh, I feel like it, it needs to be said now before we get into the projects because it will probably be mentioned in the projects by at least one of us at some point. So uh, yeah. All right. With that said, let's hop on all the way to Sydney, Australia. Hit up the homie, knock on the door. Uh, oh shit. Uh, we we interrupted his uh. Watching of the One Day International. Sorry, bro, but uh, it's got to be done. What have you got for us today? Well, uh, that's interesting that you talk about that with his lyrical content because I'm going to talk about it in Welcome to Detroit, but I don't want to talk about it after that because I think, I don't know, like I've actually gone through every project and seen how much he raps on his projects and I think it it's a big reason as to why there's a bit of, uh, what's the right way to put this? Why Donuts is so revered, but maybe the Diary and J-Lib Champion Sound is not. But we'll talk about that when we sure. get to it. So, you know, I mean, he's obviously a legend. Uh, since 1993, he's produced for 128 different artists. He's gone from Fortet to Tentacion. Like, everyone, you know, getting a Dilla beat is incredibly, uh, 
it's a pride thing, you know, like it's a massive thing. Jay-Z's never rapped on a Dilla beat, and a lot of people have asked him about it in interviews before. I, oh yeah, okay, yeah. So it's a big thing. So Dilla has dropped, what, what, what were you going to say? That thought. I, I, well, I was, so I, I was going to say this for the day, but I was listening to the day and I was like, how is he not, how is he not like done anything with Jay-Z? Because I feel like yeah. if you put Jay-Z on some of these, like, yeah, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, he, like, Jay-Z said in an interview that he feels like he wants to work with the actual producer and he never got any Dilla beats prior to Dilla passing. And, you know, it's a big thing, but it's a question, it's a constant question because rapping on a Dilla beat, like, it's, it's a very revered thing. Um, so Dilla, you know, I mean, he's a legend, like, he's a legend. And I hope by the end of this episode, we'll firstly have given some background and some uh you know you'll see how he's viewed by the hip-hop community but also why he's viewed that way so he was born in detroit in 1974 he was just 32 years old when he passed which is actually the same age i am today which is kind of terrifying because i think you know how influential he was in just 13 years but how much more he had to do you know and that that's a bit scary uh, his mum was an opera singer and his dad was a jazz bassist who apparently performed for the Globetrotters at halftime for a few games. So Dilla was actually a prodigy and his mum thought that he was an alien, which is actually a sentiment that has been echoed by a lot of people. Like when I watched that, uh, the, the Dilla documentary, they a lot of people referred to him as an alien. And his mum said that she first noticed he was different when he was a couple of months old and he was able to perfectly match the pitch and harmony of sounds around him. Now, I have two friends who have a two and a three month old at the moment and they can't do anything remotely like that. And, you know, they're smart kids. Like they're not, they're not like, it's just not possible. So it really sounds like alien behavior to me, like incredibly gifted at an incredibly young age. And what Dilla did as he grew older was he locked himself in his room and just made beats forever. His mum said that he never slept at night because he had too much energy. And in the Dilla documentary, people said that he would actually sometimes miss performances because he was so busy producing. He would miss live shows. So when he got in the zone, there was nothing that could deviate him. So when he was a teenager, he met T3 and Barton and they began to engage in rap battles together. And then they formed... Slum Village. And as T3 said, Slum Village have always been musicians. And I think that like musician instead of just like, you know, maybe just rapper or just DJ, like they were all, you know, proficient as musicians. I'm not saying that rappers aren't musicians, but they were capable of composing music at all levels. And I think that actually bled through into Dilla's production. And I think it, it kind of confirmed the way that he uses the MPC, like it's an analog piece of equipment. You know, like if you think about uh, over the years, all the greatest artists who have found new ways to make old instruments sound like Pink Floyd, Swans, uh, Flea from the Chili Peppers with his bass guitar, uh, you know, Fleet Foxes with their vocal harmonies and choral instrumentation. With Dilla, we have the MPC. Like he made the MPC do things that no one else could make it do and it made it sound a way that no one else could make it sound and that's revolutionary. And the thing I like about Slum Village is the collective energy it has. So like T3 called it a revolving door with a lot of different members under a lot of different situations. Um, Elzai was in it, Illa J, J Dilla's brother. They're all essential members. And Dilla was just 19 when they formed. But it was he who taught T3 how to produce and RJ. And it's almost like Dilla 
even at such a young age, was the experienced elder statesman dropping knowledge on people. He was fucking 19 years old, man. Like, that's crazy. But it makes sense because his mom said that during his teenage years, he just literally stayed in his basement with his record collection, learning how to perfect production. So I think, like, the question is, where did he learn his unique style or how did it develop? Because it's unique. Um, And we'll talk about why as we get further in. But his mum claims it was kind of inherent in him uh, already. So he studied the cello as a child. And I think his off-kilter use of loops, like he would use 5, 7, and 11 bar loops. Um, I think that points to the fact that he's a composer more so than just a beat maker. And uh, Questlove said that he really loves to specifically mold the beat around the vocals of whoever he's producing for. And that also lends a compositional aspect to the production. So he's like composing music from the ground up and adding it to it, to it as he goes. Questlove said that a lot of producers would just make a four-bar loop and they'll just loop it up. And they might put a little bit of sauce on it here and there, but that's the beat, you know. But Jay Diller would create these weird loops, like off-kilter, off-beat off loops. And then that would just create something. And for some craziness, he could like turn it into an incredibly tight production and it was you know his work in dynamics as well like especially around the lo-fi end because this is a thread that he shares with a lot of idm and electronic artists and i think that's what set donuts apart for example uh because nothing else sounded like donuts for two reasons one he recognizes and understands mood management in his listener which is a very valuable thing in electronic artists because I listen to a lot of electronic music and that is an essential part of an electronic album. So he takes you on this roller coaster ride through your own emotional state, but he's doing it consciously. And two, the, this is the biggest thing I think about Dilla that is really unique. You never know what's coming next. You never know what's coming <laughs> next. Yeah. Listening to a Dilla mm-hmm. project for the first time is such a crazy experience because it's like fucking riding mm-hmm. Space Mountain at Euro Disney because you're entirely in the dark as to what's coming next. It's it's exhilarating to discover each new sound and sample. Like it, it's, and we'll talk about it as we go through, but as you listen, you're just like, bam, 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 like shit is hitting you from everywhere, but it's so perfect at the same time. So yeah, I mean, Dilla, there's so many levels to this, but the thing that I find so fascinating is, despite the fact that he was revolutionary with the MPC, he didn't just, he didn't create a new style. You know, he didn't create a new subgenre. He didn't create anything really. He just took a piece of equipment that had been used for a very long time by a lot of people and he just did it better than everyone. And every single beat he produced was perfect but imperfect at the same time. You know, it was like, and, and in that imperfection was the genius, but he managed to make the imperfection sound perfect. It was, it's a very weird thing like dynamic and thing that he has and i think that's why he's so revered like his drums especially no one makes drums like dilla no one can make a drum sound the way dilla makes it it's just uncanny the way he does it and um yeah we can get into the albums we get into welcome to detroit if unless you have something else to add but i i think it's it's hard sometimes for people to really pin down why he's such a genius because you just know it's intuitive almost it's like you just know he's better but you can't really explain why. I think that's why um, it's a struggle sometimes. Yeah. Um, it's just... Uh, I think going back to like the background you were you were talking about, the fact that he just literally 
barely slept and just, <laughs> just kept yeah. making beats. And that's kind of why the posthumous discography is so uh, vast because like, it's just it's just like he's still got shit. And it's oh, not yeah. even just like the one. It's not even just like the beats in like uh, him and uh, obviously now in Marduk's possession. It's it's also the ones that like you know. Uh, Black Sheep Drez now has, or uh, or or Common just just now and again, just like here's <laughs> here's me rapping over Dilby. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, when he did a uh, uh, Love Her, uh, oh fucking hell, what, Love Her again. I forgot, I forgot the, I forgot the part two of uh, 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 it's on Let Love. I know it is, but yeah, it's um just the fact that he he just had that in the in the in the locker, and it was just like okay, yeah, her love, yeah, with Daniel Caesar, yeah, just. Just the fact that he just had that in the locker, and I'm just wondering how many people have just a, a locker full of Dilla beats, just like I don't know, just like a USB or hard drive, just like Dilla beats that he lashed them, and they just never did anything with them or anything. Like I just I, that always that always like blows my mind because I'm just, I just wonder like how many people have it. Um, it's it's kind of like a it's it's a valuable commodity in that sense. Uh, of just of just having that, that you know you have that. It mu- it must feel it must feel good in some ways, especially if you knew him. Pro- if you knew him, uh, I can I can I can only imagine. Uh, but yeah, welcome to Detroit. Yeah, so uh, yeah, obviously his uh, first uh, solo uh, album. Uh, shout out to shout out to Frank and Dank man. <laughs> <laughs> just straight off the bat, shout out to Frank and Dank because like <laughs> I lo- I love how. This is this is this is another thing I I, I enjoy about um, someone like Jay Dilla, where um, he has that everyone everyone who claims to know what hip hop is in any in any fashion, you know, knows who Dilla is, right? And in that way, he's kind of mainstream, but he's you know distinctly in his especially in his solo work. Uh, very uh, indep- independent or indie anyway, or just um small or just underground. That's the that's the word that people use. Um, but it's the fact that he just got these, you know, got these dudes that he knew, right? He he knew from way back, and I think they had a, I think they were a group together or something like that. Um, I think like one of them, one of them DJed. I know Dilla rapped and uh, uh, the other one breakdanced, but. Yeah, obviously that was back in the day, and then now up to in two thousand and one. In this case, uh, they're all, they're all rapping, and it's just it's just fascinating. I, I <laughs> and it's not just Frank and Dank. It's like you know, obviously Elzai's on here as well. Uh, Dwele, uh, Blue, uh, Blue Blue, L A Blue. I'm not sure if it's L A Blue, but um, uh, obviously Kareem Riggins is um uh, uh, has some co production credits on here as well. So it's just cool to know that. Um, at this point in his career, right, he's he's well known, right? He's done the work with Q-Tip, like he's been under his wing on that front. Like he's worked with Soul Quarians and all of them, and they're obviously doing their things, and they all hype Dilla for you know to the to the fullest. So in some ways, this project is something of a well, should have I'd say, um, should have been like a here I am kind of moment. <laughs> you know what I mean, it's like mm. it's it's my name, it's my name on the album come get it um you know and uh so you know it, it got some you got uh, eight eight point five 8.5 on pitchfork you know what i mean uh so you know 
that's that's good because it's a pitchfork. Um, so you know, in that sense, it's cool. But um, I don't think it really got the uh, the love that I think it should have. Um, but with that said, I think for me personally, listening to it, um, I think it's cool. I, I say it's not on the uh, uh, level as um, obviously. We're just gonna say right, you know, the donuts is obviously just like the best project. But like, you know, for something like The Shining as well. Um, I put it just under that uh, in terms of just listenability and uh, that kind of also goes back to the um, as you said the first time listening of it um, I remember the first time I listened to it and <laughs> and uh, again linking that with the duality thing I, I started with you know what I mean? it's just it, it just hits you different it's just like oh uh, oh oh okay <laughs> So yeah, it, it was it was a very uh, jar no, no, jarring. Yeah, no, it was a jarring listen. I'd, I'd say I'd say it's jarring, but not in like the negative way of just like uh, uh, you know <laughs> listening to some I don't know uh, uh, name a name a scatty uh, genre of music. But um, th- like you said, like you d- you don't know what's coming next. It's it's never it's never static. It's just constantly fluid. Like you know just a a minor, and it's not even a major, like, you know, kind of a beat switch, it's not that kind of way, it's just like, I'm gonna just take this element out, <laughs> it's, you know what I mean, you just, it's just flicking out, you know that scene in, um, it reminds me of that scene, uh, in, uh, Iron Man, I forget which one it is, but, like, you know when, like, he's, uh, in his lab, and he's just, uh, he's got everything in front of him, I think it's Iron Man 2, yeah, he's got everything in front of him, he's got a big map, and he's just, like, flicking shit away, yeah, that's how that's how I feel like when Dilla does a beat, like, <laughs> like he has the he has the foundation, and then he's just like, okay, let me, I've had enough of that. Let me, let me just let me just flick that away and just uh, pop this in instead. It's like that. It's jarring in an instinct in a in a in a way that should fascinate you. It's just like, huh? Uh, okay, okay, no, okay. It, it it keeps you it keeps you locked in. Um, it's not for the it's it's not for the background. You can probably listen to it in the background, but. I feel like it requires just that attentive listening because he's just doing stuff in the middle of shit. <laughs> it's mm. just so fascinating to me. Um, so yeah, man, it's a cool album. It's a uh, it's, it's it's actually kind of fast. It it goes by pretty uh, it goes by pretty fast for me personally. Um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 super solid. I I, really, I like it. I like it. It's some, it's some great uh, some great vibes in here and. Uh, Actually, good exploration as well. Um, I, for- I forget which track it is, but like, there's some uh, non. I'll just say non-American elements to it. Uh, you know, just stuff that you wouldn't really clock. But then you realise it's Dilla. He's a producer. He's constantly crate digging. Of course, he's going to find stuff like this. So, uh, yeah, interesting album for sure. It is. It is an interesting album. It's interesting that you say because um, he is very independent. But he was actually uh, the first Detroit rapper to be signed to a major label along with MC Fat Cat, which was very, I found that really interesting. Um, and we'll talk about it when we get to mm. the diary because that was actually meant to release in, I think, 02 after Welcome to Detroit. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. it didn't because MCA was unhappy with it. And yeah, I found this project, I don't know, man. Again, it's like, you know, Jay Diller is a legend, but I wouldn't call this a classic. I wouldn't call this a classic oh, debut, no. you know? So... Yeah, it's just really interesting because there's 46.4% of the lyrics on this album are from Dilla himself. 
he wouldn't get close to that again until the diary, which, um, as I just mentioned, was meant to come out in 02, but came out in 2016. I think Dilla probably felt it was necessary to give people more than just his beats on this album because he could kind of do that, give up, give people his beats and, you know, give listeners his beats via other vessels, other people, you know. He had plenty of people in his fucking speed dial by 01, 2000, you know, it was crazy. So he wanted to give us a more direct and personal side. And I'm going to talk about what Charlie talks about at the start, like how standard his lyrical content is, you know? Like you could hardly argue that his introduction on Y'all Ain't Ready, which has the bars, at the bar sipping till we spitting it up, pimping it, plus we, plus we it's on when we get in the truck. That's not an anomaly. That's his first verse that he's delivering on his solo album. And that is not an anomaly at all. That's just a common content line. You know, on uh, Give It Up, yeah. he raps, dudes talk shit and quick with the heat too. John Wayne couldn't even stand the reign of the tech and the tech be dating the deck. It's lethal. Killing it for my people. Still in the whip. Illegal. Like, you know, it's just like, it's very, I don't know. I don't know what I expected from Jay Diller as a lyricist. Yeah, I don't know what I expected, but it's not this. It's not this. It's 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 jarring to hear Dilla rap like 50 Cent because I imagine him mm. sitting in his studio making beats all the time, like softly spoken, not shy, but just maybe not particularly interested in partying and consumerism and women because he's just a nerd. Like, he, and, and I say that with love because I'm a nerd myself and I see him as just someone who just sits and like studies, but he's not, he gets out there, man. He's, he's, he's out there, he's doing stuff. So yeah, I mean, I'm probably not going to speak on his bars again, but I just found that a very interesting part of Welcome to oh, Detroit. Um, and the production here, man, it's just, it's just insanity. It's, it's the typical beauty of a Dilla project. Like you, again, you have no idea where he's going to go next. Like you all ain't ready. He just has this percussion that sounds like a cartoon character creeping after someone. And then the very next track, which is Think Twice, it's a genuine R&B song that you could just see Mariah and uh, Locks on together. And then the next song sounds like The Roots. And then Come and Get It has this like stretchy bass and this weird synth that sounds like Complexion by Kendrick. It genuinely, as soon as I heard it, I'm like, they must share a sample, but they don't. I don't know. It just maybe, maybe Complexion is inspired by that. There's just a, there's just a sound in there that sounds like it. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious early on that the joy of a dealer album is the sequencing, like riding a roller coaster in the dark. You just can't predict it. And I don't know, man, like BBE, right? It's called Big Booty Express, but it could have been on a fucking Kraftwerk album. Like, that's the craziness, all right? That sounds like it should have been on Autobahn or Trans Europa Express by Kraftwerk, but it's called Big Booty Express, and it's on an album called Welcome to Detroit in, like, 2000. Like, it's crazy, man. And the album mm-hmm. is just a joy. It's a joy to behold. Like, you know, the influence that Dilla has is always attributed to Donuts, but I think when Dilla dropped this, he put hip-hop producers on notice that he could do anything. You know, he could do any sound, any vibe, any genre, and he could do it to perfection. And I think he really began to set the tone for hip-hop production. Now, he might not have pulled a lot of producers along in his wake, like we might see like a Just Blaze doing, or we might see a 40 doing, or a Dr. Dre doing, or a RZA. But he fucking said, you know, I can make, I'm making shit that is just close to perfection every single time, every single beat. You know, catch up, 
And I think it really did uh, elevate the status of production in hip hop around the 2000s, this album. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, let's hop into a uh, champion sound. Uh, the J- the J Lib, Bear Lib, uh, J Diller. Um, mm. <laughs> that pause is classic, uh, man. I haven't is, laughed all week, is, um... boy. Fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, okay. So, full disclosure, this is actually the first time I, well, this week was the first time I actually listened to Champions Out. Um, don't don't ask me why. I've just just one of those one of those projects that just you know just uh, fell out my fingers until until this. Uh, so I I I don't really know what I was expecting. Uh, <clears throat> one thing I was expecting for sure was um, there was going to be like an equal just like back and forth, and literally it is a back and forth. Um, <clears throat> The first track is uh, LA to Detroit, and they're both produced. Um, they, they they both have the production credit. And then you have Madlib Dillard, Madlib Dillard, Madlib Dillard, Madlib Dillard. And it literally just goes back and forth. All right, well, there's a couple where it goes, um, uh, Dillard has two, and then it goes back to Madlib Dillard, Madlib Dillard. So, you know, it's pretty balanced, right? It's, it's pretty balanced. <clears throat> and, you know, considering, I feel like in... There's a hindsight element to this because in the past few years we have put Madlib in a really high position um, as just one of like the beaming lights of hip hop production right now, and you know by all means understandable like his beat slap, um, and he just continues to put out great shit, and obviously Dilla's Dilla, and we talked about the deification of him, right? So you would think. You would think that Jay uh, J- J- Diller, Madlib, one album. Oh, that, that is, that's gonna be banging. That's gonna that's gonna bang. That's gonna that's gonna blow my fucking head off. Oh my gosh! I don't know what is up with this album, man. Like I was listening to it, and I was just like, huh? huh uh, okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah. Okay. Oh. All right. Okay. I, I don't know what it is about this album. <laughs> I, I I I don't it's I don't I don't love it. <laughs> there are some there are some good stuff in here. I feel like uh you know it, in the middle of the album actually goes very well and I can I can un, I think I know why that is the case is because there's a lot of features on it. So, you know, once it gets to, like, um, raw shit with Talib, you know, and Talib comes in there, it's just like, yeah, it's nice, right? And then you have a couple of Quasimo ones as well, and that's, that's always fun. Um, just the, the, I love the I love the pitch. I love the pitch of Quasimo. It's, it's, it's so, it's great. Um, Guilty Simpson on the Strapped as well. I love that shit. Uh, Percy P on the Exclusive. That's great. And I guess it's because I'm not that into... Uh, I, I'm not that into Mad Lib and Dilla bars. Uh, Ma- Dilla less than Mad Lib, I'd say. Um, and yeah, I, I guess that's kind of the uh, kind of my issue. I, I I guess that's kind of why I wouldn't like. Uh, you know, oh, oh guys, this is this is we're in the whip. Let's bump Champion Sound right quick. Like, I I I, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Um, it's cool. I think it's worth a listen. Uh, I think it's um, an interesting uh, 
case study in how two producers coexist in one space. Uh, I think I think there's a real you know kind of uh, academic <laughs> way of looking at this. I'm I'm sure there is because let's think about this, right? How many how many projects of this nature are there? Um, I mean, I can't really. I can't really think of one. We're like there's two, pre, you know, high quality producers, hip hop producers, uh, with their own distinct styles, and they literally go beat for beat and rap on their own stuff. I, for the majority of it, I I don't know if there's an album of that of that ilk, and if there is, it's probably not as uh, noble as this. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to rack my brains as I talk. I can't really think of one. So, I feel like this is an interesting case study, um, in hip hop academia. <laughs> I feel like someone should just like break down how this, excuse me, how this uh, album works. Uh, but as just a pure listening experience, it's 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 not that great. Uh, which seems as I, as that comes as those words comes out come out of my mouth, it feels like blasphemy. But it is what it is, man. It is what it is. I I don't ah ah man. I just. It's 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 a little bit disappointing. I will say it. It was a little bit disappointing to uh, to listen to it and just be like, ah, hmm, okay. This is this this is this is it's it's worth a listen. Like I said, for you know, just some, uh, just to like you know have that conversation with it. Uh, but as a pure listening experience, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know about that one, chief. I don't, I don't know about this album, chief. Hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because, okay, so like I yeah. find that, you know, <laughs> yeah. again, as I said, Dilla has this fascinating quality for a genius that seems a little at odds with other geniuses, like let us say Kanye West, Dr. Dre, Q-Tip, where there's a lot of stuff that doesn't hit as hard as you expect it to. J. Dilla times Mad Lib should be one of the greatest things mankind has ever created. It should be. Yes. But it yes. isn't. And I can't really yes. explain why. <laughs> you know? Like, why? Like, you know, it's it's similar to... Uh, well, firstly, I think it's difficult to judge because we look at something like Mad Villainy, right? And I've been listening to Special Herbs a lot recently and just... Uh, bro, like, wildly great, amazing, like, life-changing album. And those two were very perfectly matched doom and madlib uh doom was way more jazzy you know in that it really bled through into that album these two are perfectly matched too they really are they're really greatly matched but i don't know the production just feels like it's it's dialed back a little bit you know like i think some of the the tracks like uh mcnasty filth the highest uh the exclusive they really push the envelope like they go in a really off-kilter left of center area that only a genius can habit but um i don't know man like if we go back because i'll talk about like how they got together for this album because it is a it, you know it's a meeting in the minds like jay dealer heard madlib on a loop pack album and he fell in love madlib heard dealer on slum village and fell in love they ended up working together on the diary in 01 uh but they didn't actually they didn't actually uh, record together. So Madlib couldn't make it because of September 11. So they didn't actually meet. And then someone got Mad Madlib a Dilla beat tape and he wrapped over 12 of the beats himself, including the message. And then he dropped a 12 inch uh, with a B side, which was LAX, the JFK and the message. And Dilla 
got upset. Dilla was really upset. He heard the full 12-track CD, and he felt that Madlib should have paid to use his beats. Uh, and I, I don't know if Madlib was rapping as Quasimodo or Madlib. I much prefer Quasimodo. I love Quasimodo so much. Like, I fucking adore it. But um, instead of escalating the situation, uh, Dilla just said, do you want to make a collab album? And they agreed. And they didn't record or produce together in person again. They emailed each other beats and verses and stems and whatever else these production legends needed to make music. And maybe that's why I'm not seeing it the way that I should. And I think maybe that's the reason why there's a bit of a disconnect on this project where mm. I can't really tell who is who a lot of the time with production. I'm I'm not sitting mm. there like, oh, that's definitely Dilla or oh, that's definitely Matt. Yep. Yep. And I don't know. It, it's just like I feel like if they were together bouncing off each other, it really would have been something incredible, but it feels similar to, you know, and, and again, not in the same stratosphere, not in the same realm, but a similar situation to What a Time to Be Alive with Future and Drake, where that just feels like, I don't know, man, it's pretty cool. It's all right. It sounds pretty good. But Future and Drake, come on, man, should have been Watch the Throne level shit. Should have been Mad Villainy level shit. Dealer Some people think it is, bro. <laughs> well, you know, and they, they're entitled to that opinion, man. They're entitled to that opinion. But, uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, look, around that time, DS2 came out. And if you're reading, this came out. Okay, both those albums are significantly better than What a Time to Be Alive. And I, I really felt that would mash together. And I felt the same with Dilla and Madlib and just didn't do it. Even the Talib Kweli track was a letdown. And maybe it's because of the, the amount that Dilla raps. I mean, it's 41.4% of Dilla rapping... I've, you know, not been the biggest Mad Lib rap fan. I, as I say, I love Quasimodo, but I, I love Quasimodo when he kind of just comes in out of the blue and you're just like, don't expect it. And then he just says some weird shit in that pitched up vocals and it's it's crazy. So yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, it's a tough one because then we get into Donuts and The Shining, which are, yeah. So it's, it's a weird album to sit in there, eh? Like it's it's an odd album. Yeah, let me say one one more thing about uh, from from what you said about from what you said. Um, it, it remember remember this is this is early two thousands, right? This ain't this ain't now where you know if if this was happening now, right? And they were on either side of the country and couldn't link up or whatever. You know, what I mean, they could easily just like you know hop on the Zoom, FaceTime, whatever. You know what I mean? Yo, have listened have a listen to this, put the phone to the speaker, boom, 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 boom. And then like you can have that immediate, you know, response. Bruv, imagine that lashing stems over email, like, oh gosh, imagine the trick that must be. And then you're just like, uh, this little this little bit, thirty seconds in or whatever, it's just like, uh oh, I'd hate that. That'd be depressing as shit. Um and you know, and then you get to the lyrics themselves and it's like, uh I can yeah, it just doesn't. It it seems so inefficient to think about. It mm. it just sounds inefficient to me. So uh, I I feel like that could have possibly been like the just the terminal issue. But that's just me. I don't know if they they feel the same on that fashion. Because uh, because imagine just doing that shit. Imagine. I mean, this whole thing took two years. Bro, it took took two years. Uh, oh, man, that's stress. That's stress, mm. uh, man. So, anyway, we'll 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 leave that for we'll leave that to where it is. Like I said, I feel like you should be listened to from a straight just conversation perspective. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, apart from that, yes, yeah. So 
we hop on to all the way to 06 and obviously uh, around this time uh, Dilla was suffering from uh, his uh, health issues and uh, everyone knows the everyone knows the donut story that you know he was he basically did the majority of it while he was receiving treatment like he got got all his gear um, in the hospital with him and he was making the beats uh, uh, you know just in bed in is literally on his deathbed like <laughs> like think yeah. about that like you're you're making you're making your hottest shit on your deathbed like that can't even i can't even fathom like the 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 just the feelings from day to day minute to minute as you're making beats like like I, i'm not sure i'm not sure if he was like if he like knew when like he was gonna, he was gonna die in that process or whatever, right? But just knowing that it could happen tomorrow, and this might be the last beat you make, like it's, oh, it it just hits you different. It really hits mm. you different. Um, but I don't. I, with that all said, um, I feel like this album, Donuts, like if you even, even if you removed all of that, all of the storyline behind it, because a lot of this, um, a lot of the classic. Um, you know, uh, uh, spray we have put onto this, and and the sheen we have put onto donuts as like you know the pinnacle of instrumental hip hop albums. Um, you know, up there with uh, I don't know, DJ Shadows introducing or uh, mm. uh, maybe one of Pete Rock's albums. I don't know. Um, you know, uh, Madlib's Blue Note series. Anyway, um, you know, even if we even if we took the sheen off it. Um and all and all of the all of the all the uh you know doing it on the on his deathbed etc etc, this album is so fucking good like it doesn't it blows your mind sometimes actually it blows my mind every time listening to this, um, because it's not that long, <laughs> it's like th- yeah. it's like under forty minutes if I'm if I'm if I'm correct like it's it's not that long, uh so many tracks. 31 tracks, oh, sorry, 43 minutes, there you go, so 43 minutes, 31 tracks, it's so weird to me, because in equal measure, it feels longer than that, and shorter than that, Mm. (laughs) like, like, I I don't know how, I don't know how to, like, describe that, but that's kind of just the way I can, the only way I can say it, it's 43 minutes and 38 seconds, but for some reason, it lingers, but also leaves earlier than that, I, and and leaves you wanting more as well. Um, I, I, I can't I can't explain that that facet of it. But you know, diving into it, um, it also blows my mind sometimes when I uh, listen to certain tracks for something like uh, uh, I think Gobstop is one of those things I'm, I'm thinking about. Um, uh, there's a couple of tracks on here where. I've heard the beat before on like uh like <laughs> on like a, a early early 2010s mixtape. Um I think uh Kendrick had a track. I think you met, you mentioned him earlier. Uh, I think he had a track somewhere on his mixtapes where it was one of these donut beats. I forgot which song it was. It's, it's annoying me. Um uh, uh, it will come to me. It will come to me. But uh, I might actually search through my phone just to see if I can find it. Um, but um, yeah, I've I've heard them before in other places, and it's just interesting how people have just like uh, taken it and just tried to you know I want to rap on a Dilla beat, 
Um, and I feel like that's, you know, a rite of passage in some ways, where you can say, like, I killed a Dillaby. Um, albeit, maybe, maybe illegally, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but, yeah, this is an instrument, instrumental album. Um, even though it's it has some of these... Uh, it has a lot of samples that you can actually really kind of clock actually kind of easy. Like obviously the thing about producing and the competition side of it for some producers is to, you know, find the deepest cut. You know what I mean? Just just find those find those samples that will take everybody, you know, the rest of time to find and be, and it'll be uh, you wanna be constantly asked where the fuck did you get that sample from? You know what I mean? And they, they and people rack their brain to try and find it. Um, and you know there are some on here. As, there are some on here. It, 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 although I feel like if I just went on who sampled, they're all on here. <laughs> they're probably all on there. But uh, 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 that's neither here nor there. But um, even with some, even with something like um, uh, I think it's um, let me let me, let me look it up. Uh, I think I think it's a uh, stop. Maybe maybe stop. But there's a there's a there's a Curtis Mayfield one in there. Uh, there's a uh, Dion Warwick. Yeah, there you go. Stop Dion Warwick. Yeah, and it has Jada Kisses Why on it. I I, <laughs> I totally forgot about that. You know, and I just heard that. <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Why is Jada Kisses hard as it Bro, get? Who, Why is it industry designed to keep has, the artists in debt? <laughs> who has? Dion Warwick and Jada Kiss <laughs> prominently on a beat. It's just it's just fun. It's just so fucking great. Just that <laughs> at the start of it. Oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. It, and that's that's another thing. It's beautiful as well. Like some of these beats just are just so soulful, and you know removes the complete uh it removes that you know lyrical duality that we that we we've been mentioning uh in the previous um previous albums. Once you remove that, and I, I don't want to say the rapping is to Dilla's detriment, um, because it does give an interesting duality to it. But bro, just having this just 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 feels you. It just feels you so nice. It, it's just I don't know, man. It just, it just it just works. It, it just works. Um, working on it has fucking eight. Cause that has a, I remember that has a Beastie Boys, as a Beastie Boys, uh, the new style. We put it on wax. <laughs> um, but you know they have like uh, uh, uh have several more samples on that on that track alone. But uh, you know that's the only one I remember. The put it on wax. I love that shit. Um, but yeah, man, I can go on this. I can go on like track for track for this album. It's so the samples are absolute just. Like he he gets like popular ones, but he also gets real niche ones, and it it, it just I don't know. You can just dig into this album for like for for nonstop, and just get something a little bit different every time. Like you catch a sample, and you're just like, oh oh that oh okay, that's something different. You know what I mean? You don't you don't catch them all straight away. So it's just endlessly replayable. It's so fun, and it just has this timeless element to it and i don't know if this is um official uh yeah yeah donuts and it says outro for the first track <laughs> yes yeah, weird right and then what's and the I- last track it's like um 
welcome to the show. Yeah. That's so eerie, isn't it? Yeah. Like, do you, you think that was a purposeful thing? Like, you know, think, like the well, I actually like felt the it was outro a bit clunky. is. Uh, okay. I thought it was a bit, I, I, bit clunky to do I, that. I saw it as like I I I I tried to see it like poetically as like, um, again, deathbed uh, narrative. Let's have the first track and put outro. So like, I saw that as like, okay, he's gone, but here's his final package kind of thing. I don't know. <laughs> I'm think I'm, I like to think of it like that. It probably is not the case, um, and maybe it's like, like you said, clunky. Um, but I, I just wanted to, I, that's how I like to think about it, uh, but it's probably not the case, but yeah, man. Yeah, this album just, it just goes hard. Uh, none, none of the tracks are two minutes. Oh, actually, there's one, working on it, it's uh, nearly three minutes, but yeah, the rest of them are uh, extremely short, um, but yeah, man, it's just, oh, it's so endlessly replayable. It's it's just great. It's very working fascinating, this album. Yeah. Working on it. It's very fascinating, this album, because, um, I mean, obviously, it was being done on his. You know, he was he was sick. He had, he was in hospital, and he had people like wheeling equipment so he could make beats while he was in his hospital bed or on dialysis. So I never found it as a a dark or a downward facing album at any stage. You know, I I think that the jazz gave it a real groove and a movement that isn't necessarily danceable, but you could just feel it. You could feel it inside you. You know, it was it was soulful, and. Uh, you were, you were just moving. You were moving every time you listened to this album. And a lot of people pointed to Dilla and this album in particular being influential to the entire genre of jazz. Like Kareem Riggins, who is a, he's a jazz drummer, actually said verbatim that the album inspired the jazz community. He said that the versatility and the soul that he put into the album was the most influential. Um, Adam Horn said it was the drums uh, that created a more rhythmic pattern that would allow individual and artistic flair as well. And Questlove said something similar, you know. And the thing about, like, I wouldn't necessarily call Donuts a jazz album. I actually found Special Herbs, for example, to be more jazz-based than than Donuts. It's just, this is a beat tape that morphed into a standalone project. And there's so many angles to that because, you know, the, the label yeah. head, Peanut Butter Wolf, said it was literally a beat tape. It was not meant to be a project. It was not meant to be an album. And Dilla played it for him in the car one day and Peanut Butter Wolf said it had to come out as its own project. Dilla wasn't making it. He was working on The Shining as his, you know, his solo album. He yeah. wasn't anticipating for Donuts to come out and don't it didn't have the title Donuts. You know, it was just uh, in that Dilla documentary, they said that Dilla would make a new beat tape every month and, you know, would have 25 songs on it and it would just be fucking everything would just be revolutionary on there or, or different or, or pushing things forward or, you know, just perfect. It was, and he was always onto a new sound. So Donuts was just another one of those. And the actual distributor said that they didn't want to put the album out because they didn't believe the instrumental hip hop albums sell, which is true. It didn't, it didn't even chart oh, on yeah. Billboard 200, <laughs> whereas other projects did. So I find it really fascinating that his defining project was not even meant to be a project. It was literally just... And the way that they ended up getting around it was they released it as an album but also as a beat tape. So rappers could still buy the beats and rap over those particular beats, which is why we hear them pop up every now and then because it's a beat tape. But it's also a classic album. It's it's amazing. And I don't know, man. It, it's just like... 
they're just it's so iconic Dilla. Like it is the 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 perfect distillation of Jay Dilla. You know, and I think if we hadn't got this project, his legacy would be a lot more interesting because I think he would be a lot more you know, I think a lot less people would know about Dilla that if we didn't get donuts because I think that this album is now a cult classic and and it, everyone is it's like required listening in hip hop, you know, it's almost like you have to listen to donuts and when you do you kind of just want to shout from the rooftops that this guy's a fucking genius because it, it's such a great project. And so I think if this this hadn't come out, his legacy would have been a little bit different. But like, it's it's just so amazing. Like working on it is so urgent, but then like we get a breezy, slow groove like Waves and then a 70s soul track like Light My Fire. You know, it, it's just, it manages moods so incredibly. Um, I don't know, man, it's... Like the like the, the the thing that really hit me was when the difference right the diff, the song the difference it kind of drags you into just being active and moving, but then yeah. on like the next track it's on mash it's just like anxiety and fr- it fractures into just like it just well, when I went and saw Orteca play right Orteca are one of the the like seminal groups in the glitch electronic scene. And what they would do is they would create a melody and then over the next 15 minutes, live in front of us, they would just dismantle it into nothingness. So you were grooving along and then you would slowly just be fucking ripped apart by these two guys with laptops in front of you. And it was just unbelievable what they were doing. And to recreate that ability on a fucking recorded album that you can go back to and still feel the same way every time is genius and um yeah it's a genius it's a genius project man it's a total classic yeah um i found the kendrick track uh it's called world world negatives <coughs> world negatives okay. uh it doesn't it, it doesn't uh it, it, sam- it has the same sample as gobstopper um so it could really just like when when you, when you listen to both it's very uh you know it's it's very overt, but it's it's not it's not exactly um, taking the beat, so to speak. But it's it's, it's basically the same sample. Um, but you know, it reminds it also reminds me of um, another track uh, on on a, on here. I think it's uh, Dela says go. Um, it has a sample on there, and uh, it's the same sample as uh, on, that's on um, uh, games. Uh, Hate or love it. Uh, yeah it's it's just it's the same it's the same thing so and actually move straight into i can move straight into a segue straight into uh the shining because um on buy which is on donuts um it's basically the same beat as um uh so uh, so far to go which i said is my one of my favorite tracks um it's yeah it's literally the same same beat in some ways but obviously has uh, this one so far to go is much more uh fleshed out and uh has obviously common and d'angelo on it um <clears throat> this one this this, this album is just uh it, it really holds like a real uh i hold it in do i want to say that <laughs> I, I hold it in like I okay, I'll say as as high an esteem as high esteem does that make sense um, as donuts for me personally um, because this was like the first Dilla project I actually listened to because um, so far to go is obviously like his one of his most popular tracks and I really enjoyed it from you know 
I forgot the first time I listened to it, but way back. And, you know, I obviously logically went to listen to the album itself. And it was just like the first Diller album I listened to. And it was the first, um, you know, genuine uh, cons- uh, consumption of Diller. And it just, I, I just hold a, I just, it holds a real place in my heart um, as, a, as, as an album. Um, but even with that said, like there's so much, uh, with something like So Far To Go, right, which is just super just sexy and slow um, samples of Isley Brothers, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's just, oh, the, the soul on it is just, oh, and the keys at the end, near, nearer to the end of it. D'Angelo floating on it, like, common, going, like, full sexy mode, like, with the, with the, basically whispering into your freaking ear, <laughs> um, it's just, it's just perfect, right, but even with stuff like, uh, Love with, uh, Pharaoh Monch, like, what the fuck is Pharaoh Monch doing on there, but it fucking Bro, works, I don't singing, know why hey. it works, but it works, yeah, no, the it fuck fucking works, I'm like, Pharaoh Monch, <laughs> Pharaoh Monch sing, does he normally sing, because I didn't want to sound uh, like an idiot, <laughs> but I didn't. I was like, okay, who's the singer on this? And it says Pharaoh Munch. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Getting soulful. Yeah, you know I'm saying like, it just, it's like, all right, cool, cool, cool. Um, and you know, there's there's several tracks with you know love in the title. Um, Jungle Love with Med and Gilly Simpson. Uh, love Moving with Black Thought. And yeah, man, this is a you know twelve songs, thirty six minutes, and it goes by. Uh, quite quickly to be honest for me personally um the the but even with that all with it all them you know soulful elements and stuff that you know stuff like a pharaoh monch on a feature about love and him singing and stuff you know it might seem jarring but for some reason ain't uh seems jarring on the face i should say um but you know he still brings that he still brings that you know jay diller experimentation like bruv who 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 else is doing E equals MC squared beat. Who who is doing that? Like that that sh- that shit is freaky. Like the whole thing j- is j- is just so freaky. Um, the, just just that, that sample of the MC squared. It's just oh, it's just it's like you said at the start. When you listen to when you listen to some of this shit first time, it is jarring as shit, and that is a real prime example of how jarring it is because. Mate, even listening to it now, like I listened to, I listened to the Shinies today, and I was just like, "Oh, this track is so jarring." But like, once you once you get over that, it just I don't know, it sits, it sits, it sits so nice. And then obviously, Common comes in and uh, makes all that off. Um, uh, shout out to Giorgio Moroder who did that. He was MC Squared, uh, and apparently has a uh, yeah, and apparently uh, samples House of Pain and uh, Boogie Down Productions. Who knew? Um, yeah, so. Just that, just that one sample. That MC squirt. Like nobody, nobody would even think of flipping that beat. Have you heard the original song? It's fucking weird. Mm. But bro, he just takes that shit and just makes like these fat drums on it. Like that. Yeah. Just, oh, just fucking knocks, bro. I don't know how he did it, but it fucking knocks. Um, but yeah, man. I, this hot, this album. I just really, I hold this album to such a high, high place. Um, just because the first one for me and. Uh, all those years ago, and um, yeah, man, it's just and, and obviously it was like like you said it was supposed to be you know the album uh, and mm. not donuts, but um, you know it's the album for me, bro. It, it's the album for me. Obviously, donuts has some heaters on there. And, you know, it's all heat and 
it's an endlessly replayable listen, but just as an album, like this, this, this is it, man. This is this is that album. This album that um, you know, Welcome to Detroit, and uh, you know, as we'll as we'll get to, the diary really wasn't. Um, I, I think this really, you know, is that that perfect balance that um that that should have been that should have been found in the prior projects, but uh, you know, better late than never, I guess. Yeah, only 24.2% of the vocals are Diller, which is a quarter. So I found that interesting. That I mean, it's possible that he wasn't well enough really to record vocals at this point because, yeah, this was obviously being recorded next to Donuts and, uh, you know, he was, he was so unwell. But I think that The Shining has one of the greatest hip-hop intros of all time. Like Busta Rhymes that you couldn't get anyone better than Buster Rhymes to come in there and hype you up. And then across that iconic sample, it sounds like Dill is playing it with a kazoo. And then the beat just <laughs> fucking goes absolutely total bananas. Like it just goes all like you, you, you know, you're in for something special, you know, you know, you're in for something special. And then I think the features on here are, I think this is exactly what MCA really wanted with his second album. So the reason why the diary uh, was never dropped as I think it was called Jay Paid or Payday or something like that. Uh, The reason it never dropped was because they wanted him to do an album like The Shining. They wanted him to reach into his Rolodex and grab Common and the Soulquarians and Erica Badu and D'Angelo and everyone, Buster Rhymes, Q-Tip, and put them all on an album together across crazy Dilla beats and he didn't do that you know he did most of the vocals were his own on that album and I think this was what they wanted but I think he did it on his own terms here he really did it on his own terms and um the the features are so amazing like Common is just sounds amazing on this as you said for Romanche like I don't know what that is but like it's so great um the strings on that song man the strings are like they're ethereal it's 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 crazy he Every sample on this album, Dilla elevates into icon status. Like, it feels like you know every sample here. I don't know how he does that. I don't know half the samples on this. But it almost feels like you've been listening to them your whole life. Because it's just, he has this, he gives it this warm, Mm. lived-in quality, these beats. It's just, it's crazy, man. Like, it's the best production on any Dilla project. I genuinely feel that way. I think it's better than Donuts. Um, he's never sounded so good and so nuanced yet so expansive and experimental at the same time it's it's like it's really infinite it's there's so many ways to appreciate that production and um, this album scares me a little bit because we all know just how insanely talented Dilla was but he made this and Donuts which are two of the best produced albums in the history of hip-hop while basically on his deathbed and yeah. that scares me. And it doesn't feel like they're desperate albums. It doesn't feel like he's grasping at, uh, you know, a magnum opus. It doesn't feel like he's trying to craft something. I mean, it's 12 tracks. It's not like it's 25 songs and he's trying to put his heart and soul. He puts his heart and soul into everything. I think this is just an improvement. That's what scares me. It's an improvement on his last projects. And he was just continually improving. And when you consider the level that he came into the game at, to continue to improve on top of that, where would he have ended up? I just don't, you know, it's... He may have ended up becoming a bit of a character of of himself the way Kanye has. Or he may have ended up just not producing as much the way Dr. Dre does. We haven't really seen a producer 
I guess, in hip-hop particularly, continue to, I guess, improve infinitely, continue to improve over like a 30-year period. But I felt like Dilla was just, yeah, I mean, this this album is a bit scary because it's just, yeah, he, he was just continuing to improve. And how you improve on what you already were, I don't know, but he fucking managed it. And yeah, it's... um. Yeah, it's sad that we, we lost him after this project. Well, we lost him before this project. This project wasn't even complete when he passed. They had to complete it after his, after his passing. He said it was 75% done. Yeah. And uh, they, they kind of whipped it up to finish it off. And I, I never felt that. I never felt the... Uh, you can't see those parts, you know? Like with Circles, for example, with Mac Miller, you can easily see that they've, you know, they've cobbled some stuff together. They've grabbed some demos. They've grabbed some vocals that weren't perfect. On this project, I don't see the, I don't see the bits that have been glued on. So yeah, shout out to whoever put that together after his passing. This is a great album. And then we get the diary. Yeah, I feel I feel kind of bad just like <laughs> uh, doing two classics and. <laughs> well, it's weird. To, it's weird because like we got diary. some other albums in between and we got a lot of EPs, but like I mean, it's that whole posthumous thing again. Like, did we need yeah. this? Did we really need this? Because I don't think we really did. And I think, you know, it's similar to the Park albums where we don't really place like loyal to the game in Tupac's <laughs> discography. We don't really put yeah, no, um, no. Big L's posthumous albums in his discography. You know, we don't, there's probably Biggie albums that we don't put in it, like uh, Born Again and the Biggie Duets. It's, they're not his discography. The Biggie Duets? Like we don't, we don't put it. Even though I love that album, even though I love that album, but like we don't put it in there. And I, I don't. But but the thing with the diary is, eighty one point one percent of the lyrics are Dilla. It's very very personal Dilla. It it has a, you know, it was it's meant to be his second album. It's it's basically recorded and ready to go. I don't think it needed to come out. You know. Yeah. Um. I guess so. Um. And yeah. Yeah. It's just, It was. It wasn't. Uh, uh well, okay. What what are you saying? Are you saying that because obviously it isn't his best work, or or well, I'm what? just thinking, what's the point of this? Like, firstly, I mean, Dilla's not saying anything really crazy over these beats. He's not saying anything different than what he'd said on other albums. You know, it's pretty standard fare, and the beats are great, but like the it's barely. Dilla production, you know, he only produces, uh, I think five, so he only produces five of the 16 songs. So I don't see, like, this is a vocal Jay Dilla album. This is Jay Dilla the rapper, this album. And I, I don't yeah. understand what the need for that was. You know, Dilla wasn't the greatest MC of all time. And I, I just, that wasn't his selling point. And so to put out the diary as a Jay Dilla album, when we're used to Diller albums where he produced basically everything and it's really focused on the production, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Like, the production on here is pretty good, but it's not him. So what are we doing with this album? Like, I don't understand. Yeah, you know, have um, as production goes, you have, uh, you know, knots. Uh, yeah. high tech, cream riggins, Pete P Rock, Rock on DX was great. I love that. I, I knew that was Pete Rock. I, I, I got so gassed when I knew that was Pete Rock. I was like, oh, I got Pete Rock. <laughs> uh, DX uh, featured below. 
Bink on the last track as well. Um, Shout out Bink. Shout out Bink. I love you, Bink. I fucking love you. You're a nice person, and people have fucked you over a lot. Shout you out, Bink. Yeah. Um, and also uh, uh, on on apparently the uh, I mean I've, I've, I saw I listened to this uh, the sickness with Nas on it as well. That was a. See, and that was produced by Madlib, and that wasn't too bad either. But, like, you know, just to get positives out of the way. That would have been, like, been a hit in I, I want to get to a... Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, You know, The Shining Part 1, I really enjoyed. I love that track. Uh, the X with uh, Bilal yeah. on that track. Uh, uh, One I didn't like was uh, Gangster Boogie uh, with <laughs> Snoop Dogg. Um, yeah, the, no. yeah not, 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 not sure about that one. Um, and also, and also actually, uh, what's the, what's the police one? Fuck the police! I didn't mind that one, you know. I I I like the uh, uh, it was very chesty. I, I liked it. I liked it. And, that, and that's part apparently like a underground uh, one that he released before, you know, this was even being made. So, uh, you know, I don't know if you want to officialize that or anything. But getting to your point, um, yeah, I feel like with <laughs> I I I don't know, man. I feel like. When you when you were talking about uh, maybe MCA, you know, thought they, he was you know gonna get the Rolodex out, like you said, I I got a thought that maybe like Dilla didn't want to like I don't know, just didn't want to drop this or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe he did it in this way that wasn't exactly his best work, and uh, you know, just may, maybe it was was this his hear my dear. Like you know, you know, um, you know, you know, him. I did the uh, Marvin Gaye album. Um, you know, mm. he did that because he was divorcing his wife and like he needed to fulfill his contract, so he made him my dear, and it was you know not not his best work, but it was an album. <laughs> um, so I feel like maybe there's a him my dear element to this. Maybe I'm not sure. Um, but you know. There are some decent stuff on here, and you know we named some of the producers on 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 this as well. You know they're not exactly uh, you know crap names, right? It's not exactly rubbish, but um, yeah, it's the, the, like you said, the rapping is obviously um, the main uh, outlier compared to the rest of his work on here. So you have to see that, and you're just like, hmm this outlier isn't working like this is the usp technically um compared to the rest of them this is him rapping a lot um you know majority of majority of it is just all him like a normal yeah like a normal rap album by any other rapper you know what i mean 87 percent yeah that's kind of the path of the course for a lot of people um so yeah but it's a it's a weird one it is a weird one <laughs> Uh, I, I, I did really, I, I think I enjoyed it more this time round than when it initially dropped, because I remember listening to it when it dropped and I was just not impressed with it, um, partly because the beats were so uh, different from one another, um, but then also just because of his uh, rap performance. Uh, but, you know, I, found, I, th- I think there's some a couple of good tracks on here, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of am in the same camp as you. It's just like... Uh, I could I could have done without, you know, uh, not 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 everything has to drop, but um, you know, I'm cool. I'm, and you made the, you, and we had this conversation before when it came to uh when it came to when we did Tupac and Biggie, um, you know, I I don't I haven't listened to a posthumous Tupac album, 
um, apart from you know a couple of the hits, you know, so like changes and uh, ghetto gospel. Uh, I I listen to the Biggie duets apart from oh, that one track. No, you don't like the uh, Biggie duets. You're not you're not down with the Biggie duets. The Biggie duets. <laughs> apart from Nasty Girl, <laughs> I have not listened to the Biggie duets. Um, you know, so you know. <laughs> You you can you can say that you can you can throw this album in the mix in in that in that fashion. Um, this is technically a six studio album, so if you want to be completionist about it, go for it. Um, but yeah, it's it's not you're not you're not really gonna get anything uh, groundbreaking from this. Like when from from the other albums we've been talking about, they've had their place in some way. So you know, Welcome to Detroit was his first one, right? Obviously, that's important. Uh, J Lib, you know, it's just too, you know. At, at the at the time prodigies and in you know hindsight real heavy hitters uh you know joining up to to, to do an album donuts and shining was you know his you know i'm dying uh, but let me just get this shit out uh albums and you know they end up as uh, stone cold classics and then there's just this you know and it's just there it's just it, it just sits there right there just just yeah just it, I, I'm here too. <laughs> it's just like, and everyone's like, okay. So, uh, yeah, um, yeah. It's 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 a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit, uh, a bit sweet, I think. Um, but with that said, you don't have to, you know, leave your entire listening to of Jay Diller down to this one. Like, you can go listen to the EPs. You know, Rough Draft is great. Jay Stay Paid uh, is good. Uh, um. Uh, Jay loved the pa- J- loves Japan. Love that shit. Yeah, there's one with the uh, Bartin one. Bartins on Bartins on one track, and it's so fucking good. Oh, oh, real slum village vibes. It's so nice. Uh, Dilatronic, I like. That's a real nice background listen. Um, so yeah, yeah, man. There's there's always like 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 I said at the start. We have we are scratching the surface. Literally, we're only doing this solo work. We haven't even we 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 haven't even got into talking like the. You know the stuff that he's done for other people on other other albums. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, there's so many classic heaters on though on, on, on uh, when we get to when we get to that kind of realm. Uh, but you know, as as solo albums go, um, it's 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 kind of polarizing actually. It's it's kind of um, you know, there's a there's there's the Stone Cold classics in Donuts and Shining. Then there's you know Welcome to Detroit, which is like you know it's cool. And then you get Champion Sound, where you're like. Uh, I, I, okay, and then it's just a diary, and it's just like, mm, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm. There's, there's not really much for me here, but uh, yeah, man. But with that said, we can say all that, and you know, like Tupac, like Biggie, like Big L, like uh, many other um, you know, rappers of rappers and producers that have passed over the years. We don't hold it to them. We we don't we really don't we 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 appreciate them for uh, the work they did um, and and the influence they've uh, create uh, created from uh, into other people if that makes any sense <laughs> as the uh, the the inspirational content that they've created they they I say that properly um, and you know obviously the deification that I mentioned earlier and the uh, and, and all that stuff, and you know, we're always gonna see Diller as just like that, just that anomaly. Where, mate, if it if it wasn't for that lupus complications, like fuck, like 
done. Oh man, like the sky really was the limit. Um, and you know, that just adds to the tragedy of it. Um, more than most, um, because, you know, it, it, it was literally like a, you know, just getting started kind of, there was a just getting started kind of element to him. Um, similar, similar to someone like Biggie, like it was just literally the beginning for them. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. Um, we still, like I said, we're going to get some, uh, 20th anniversary edition of uh, Welcome to Detroit. If you guys are collect uh, about that collect collectible life, go go have a look at that pre-order. Um, you know, Black Sheep Dreads, like I said, is dropping some new stuff with new dealer beats uh, with him over it. So you know, there's always some good. There's always stuff in the vault, and uh, you know, obviously they're gonna just um, momentarily, just uh, bit by bit, just um, drain that and give us some good stuff. And you know, we might now and again just get into that but uh, yeah man we love it for we we love him for the for the just for the art of it and uh you know we didn't really apart from the mca deal we didn't really talk about anything to do with like you know contracts or money it was literally just straight about straight about the art and uh yeah man i love i, I love when we can just focus on that kind of stuff and how innovative he really was with literally just one drum machine <laughs> and the things you could do with the drum machine like you really just took it to absolutely new heights so uh yeah man shout out to jay Dillo, of course standard procedure every day i think i always really respect artists where and it's not that i don't respect artists who do go mainstream but i do respect artists who no, fuck, fuck the mainstream <laughs> to just stay like super underground man like his highest charting project was like 77 he didn't have a huge amount of charting singles um you know just just wanted to keep it pure keep it keep it to the art you know and and shout shout that out forever man like shout out to jay dilla i think he probably thought he had a lot more time and i think there was probably a lot more to come uh and it was tragic you know it was tragic i wasn't up on dilla at all when he passed i didn't really know or understand but it's almost like going back over hip-hop, you end up going back to Dilla because everyone mentions him. Everyone talks about him. You know, Kanye talks about him in interviews. It's like, I wanted my drums to sound like Dr. Dre and DJ Dilla. All producers talk about him. Rappers talk about how amazing it is to rap over a Dilla beat, how amazing it is to be in the studio with him and just like creating with him. So in the end, it feels like when you get into a certain section of hip-hop, all roads lead back to him and you do have to check him out at some point and, yeah, you realize, holy shit. And um, I think his influence will be felt for a really long time. Uh, and I'm always excited when you just see a Dilla beat pop up because you just want to hear it. And I'm sure, as Charlie said, mm -hmm. there's plenty more out there. You know, I'm sure there's plenty more out there to come. And I would just prefer, you know those beats to be wrapped over by you know maybe don't release another diary or something like that just just keep it to other people that's my only thing that's my only thing i i don't know if dilla wanted that released i don't know if he wanted that that dropped you know i think i i can't say what he was thinking and feeling when he recorded it originally but it does feel to me like he went in the opposite direction like i would imagine the label gave him pretty clear guidelines of what they wdecided they were like, open your fucking Rolodex up and get these legends on these on your beats. He went the opposite direction. He got other people to produce the beats and he rapped. I really think that he did that on purpose. And um, 
Mm. Yeah, man, I, I just shout that out. I, I have respect for that because he didn't just go. He, just did, he did what he wanted to do. He want, He always enjoyed rapping. He always enjoyed rapping. Otherwise, he wouldn't do it like so often. Like, you know, you get Mad Lib and Jay Dillard together and you would think you would get an MC in there, right? You think you would get a Doom or you would get yeah. a Pharaoh Monch or you would get a Black Thought or a Common or someone to, to do that. But they did it themselves because that's what they wanted to do. And I think that's at the heart of his production legend status is that it it's always him. He, he was always putting his entire being into every beat. And that's what we got, man. So, yeah, rest in peace to Dilla. Thank you for the music. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Guaranteed. Um, all right. Well, we can move straight in uh, to a light note if you have, have anything. I have a question. Go for How it. How often do you think it is necessary for a human to shower? So say so again how how long in like one session? How often? How often? How many times? How, how often? many times a day? Uh, how many times a week? Yeah. See, I feel one, like right? for, for for me because you're for, British, for <laughs> so you've got to you you don't shower, but you have to pretend that you do, and uh, you don't have any frame uh, of reference. Uh, 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 yeah. Okay. Nice one. Um. Now I I feel like. I feel like personally, there's it, it. It depends on the time of year. Like I shower like once a day, like sometimes actually twice a day sometimes. Like because uh, in the summer, because like you know, when you just when you just feel like grease on you, you just like ugh, you know what I mean. So uh, I can imagine for you, it's very often. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, bro, in the winter sometimes it's just like. Like well, my um, and especially in pandemic, like, uh, pan, uh, in, in the fact that we're in a panora- panorama, like you know, I mean, it's just why. <laughs> I, I I just get up and I'm just like, eh, <laughs> mm. I go now, it's okay. <laughs> Honestly, so I, I feel like it's uh, answering the question. I feel like it's uh, case on case by case basis because I because I I know some I know some I know some people that re- that need it. You know what I mean. Uh, but also know some people that probably don't need it um, that often, as often. So I feel like it's person to person. Um, so yeah, I'll yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I would agree. I shower quite a lot, but um, yeah, I know some people who don't, and they don't smell. They don't smell. I've never smelt them. So I don't know, man. I just thought yeah. it'd be interesting to talk about that. Also wanted to uh, <laughs> sure. Okay. I also wanted to uh, continue in that theme. I wanted to just say quickly about Azalea Banks, man shit is okay. it hurts because i don't i feel bad for her like i i don't know man i don't think she's very well i i, I just I, I would caution people jumping down her throat and just like just shredding her publicly i would say take a step back and think about things before you do that because i don't think that that is a very helpful way to go about things it's one of the reasons why i haven't tweeted since like the 26th of December because I just, I'm so, you know, I'm not feeling the vibes on social media at the moment. It feels very, very adversarial and uh, very aggressive. And um, yeah, I think when someone does something like what she did, I don't think the immediate knee-jerk reaction should be to just shit on her on social media. I think you maybe ask a question as why she's doing that. And, you know, just... I think that question is lost a lot on social media. Like 
you see something and then you just react to that thing immediately, maybe just ask why. Why have they tweeted that? Why have they said that? Why have they acted in that manner? Just ask that one question. You could still go, you could still drag them if you want, if you come to the conclusion that they're racist or they're bigoted or whatever, they're against your value system. But yeah, I would just I would just say that. Just take a step back and just ask why. Um, and yeah, go from there. But don't just jump down people's throats off rip. Anyway, that's what I had to say. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I think my only thing towards that is I feel like there's sometimes uh, a double standard. Maybe not in this case because uh, the case was pretty freaky. Um, but, you know... I remember when uh, Kyrie Irving uh, did like a say did sage burning uh, before before a game. Yeah, I saw that. And you know, yeah, and some and some people like you know just uh, you know some some people that didn't uh, get the get what he was doing were like you know uh, you know just asking real dumb questions, and yeah. uh, you know What's people wrong? He's, that he's cleansing man, fuck yeah people people that, and people that know the yeah people that know the know the vibes on that front like you know. You know, rightly so, went at them for asking dumb questions or or making uh, dumb jokes that had no knowledge into it into the subject at all. Um, and I'm not saying Azalea Banks's cat stuff is the um, is on the same level, um, but you know, for something something like a sage burning, um, say if there was somebody in a different culture to yours that you don't know about, and they're doing something of that nature, but say they do it in a different way. Um, don't want to give an example because I don't know, but um, mm. you know, say, say there was something like that, uh, and again, not the same. I'm not not equating the cat stuff to to sage burning, but there will come a time where you guys will come for somebody for doing something that you have no knowledge about, and uh, and then you'll end up with egg in your face once you actually look it up and you know know that it's like a I don't know like a thousand year old ritual or whatever. Again, not equating <laughs> the cat stuff to a thousand year old ritual. I I I I I'm just not even gonna partake in those circles. And I, and I didn't to be honest. I well, just... that's the thing. But that's that's a mature thing to do. Like, how can we? Yeah. Why would we partake in that conversation around what Azalea Banks did? There's no. I don't know what to say to that. It's I don't be- know her and on, on this and on this front, it's because it's Azalea Banks. I uh, that, yeah. there's that too. So you know that that needs to be added into um, the pot. Uh, <laughs> no pun intended. Oh, oh bro, come on! It's, what are you doing here? What are you doing? <laughs> oh, Was shit. that intentional? This is like that- my mouth. Oh, Charlie's just oh, funny without even trying to be. I'm so sorry. That was so it bad. Gets him in, it gets him in real hot water sometimes. Like, That's far so... out, man. Oh, is that one as well? <laughs> well, I, I got to keep up. I got to keep up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, fucking hell. Okay, I've, I've completely lost the point I was making. Just... just... Don't be shitting on stuff you may not understand because you may end up with egg in your face. Maybe not For in real. this case, but maybe sometime down the line. Just just be wary of that. Get, get your knowledge up. <laughs> For real. Agree. Entirely. Oh, we're ending there. Oh, gosh, I'm crying. All right. oh, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, from the fifth podcast ever, it's been digging digits. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll be trying to tell the fifth one. I've been Ben Cairo of Hip Hop Numbers. We hope you have a good week and we shall always, always try and do the same. 
But until the next time, take it easy. Ladies and gentlemen. All right, peace. Digging in the Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is Pizza Video Games by Bonus Points. Thanks to Chill Records for the ability to use. Socials for the fifth element, hip hop by numbers, bonus points, and chill records will be in the full show notes for every listening. This has been a fifth and podcast network and hip hop by numbers collaboration. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time. I'm digging in the digits.